Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. Wonderful. We've both worked in ministry for over 19 years and have seen just about everything. And as messed up as we are, we hope to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every minister has. Indeed. And we are joined uh, by a special guest today, Roy Pettifees. Um, He is actually going to be one of the speakers at ThriveCon. Now, ThriveCon is a conference that we're partnering with uh, Project YM to bring a free digital conference on February 27th, uh, 1 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. You can sign up for free at thrivecon.com. Welcome, Roy. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And, And I got to see Roy at the annual membership meeting for the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry. Look at me getting all the acronyms. Man, right. I think impressive. I got them right, didn't I? That's a lot of alphabet soup right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And it was, it's always a pleasure to, to see you and to hear from you. I learned so much every time that I'm in the audience and, and get to hear from what you have to say. Chris, when, when did you first meet Roy? I don't know if we've ever formally met, shook hands yeah, and things like that, sure. but I've been going to your sessions at uh, – at the acronym soup, you know, at NCCYM, <laughs> NCYC, and, and seeing, uh, seeing your leadership, really your leadership in the field of healing and uh, mental health yeah. and those different things and how it ties into ministry to make make those things, I don't, I don't want to say partnered, but to, but to make them allied with each other, right. you know? That's right. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, guys. So, yeah. Thanks so much. So what's the, what's the passion behind what you do? Like, why do you do what you do, right? Yeah, great question. So... I was a youth minister. Like I'm sure some of the listeners, I was a campus minister in a Catholic high school. We began doing Kairos retreats and they had, you know, we'd get heavy, deep and real and a lot of emotional stuff would come up. We did it well and we did it really poorly. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on, we could have multiple podcasts on the mistakes that we made. Um, but the, uh, and rightly so, the guidance counselors at the school and the administration expressed some concern. And my very fragile, large ego um, took a hit. And I was like, man, these are important conversations. Now, I had been in the seminary five and a half years previously, had a lot of psychology, a lot of pastoral counseling, but I really wanted to get licensed. And and my passion became to empower um, ministers, right? Not just youth ministers, but to empower ministers to apply some of the skills from the social sciences within their ministry setting to facilitate more effective healing and to be a greater and more smooth conduit for God's healing grace. So you, you saw a need, you saw what was going no question. on, you realized that, that you didn't have the capacity and I mean, yeah. your bosses realized you didn't have the right. capacity you know, to deal with it. And you were like, I, I don't care. Right. I, I, someone has to deal with this and I'm going to make sure that I do that and help other That's people. That's right. Yeah. And this was in 2000 before we began really seeing the anxiety epidemic, but kids wanted to talk about these issues. They, we started seeing that need in the late nineties that teens really needed to tell their story. And again, not just teens, but folks wanted to hear, tell their story and they wanted to have it heard with the good, the bad and the ugly. And that put ministers in an awkward position of their duty to inform. What do I do with that? I'm not a therapist. All that wonderful stuff, right? Right. Because we tell them, hey, this is a safe place. You can talk about anything. Yeah. And then they do. And we're like, outside of my pay grade, outside of my pay grade. (laughs) Uh, Can't help you with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Good. Well, um, you want to talk a little bit about uh, spirituality in mental health today. And, uh, and and you came up with kind of a great title, Why Religion, Faith Practice, and Spiritual Practice are Essential in Healing, 
Coping with Stress, Anxiety, and Depression. Yeah. Now, and, that may uh, be a great title. It's really long. It is, it, it is absolutely long. Yeah, yeah. How, how about just spirituality and mental <laughs> yeah, health? I was going to say, but, that was really the description, but yeah, we'll go with the title. <laughs> and, and that's my talk. Done, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you guys but, are fun, but, man. <laughs> but I just I just get the sense that, uh, that mental health and spirituality have been um, almost adversaries for so long. If I am uh, needing to see a counselor or something like that, I don't tell my my church family i just take care of it in my family of origin and and that's that and then i get better so that then i can be a better church person that's right and they're they're at odds with each other or they're they're uh segregated or siloed from each other that's right and 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 especially for those of us who are catholic and i don't know if i'm sure i'm assuming it's an ecumenical audience but as catholics for sure we have had we are historically been so distrustful of the social sciences like psychology and whatnot. And, and we still see it to this day. You know, when I was in grad school, I was like, I'm going to market myself as a Catholic counselor. And, and, and my professor was like, that's the stupidest thing you've ever done. I was like, you don't understand Catholics. That's going to be the best thing I've ever done. They're going to be coming from all over the world. And I was right. Yeah. Yep. We're just so distrustful. And my motivation and my motivation still is, is to, there's one truth, right? There's, there's one truth, and what's true in the social sciences is going to be true in theology and in spirituality, and to be able to blend those languages, especially, in my, and, and so far it's been especially in the world of, of religion and faith practice, to be able to show how these things interlock, how Jesus was a brilliant psychologist, right? And, um, and I'm, I'm finding more and more work done in the, in the more secular arena and helping folks who are in psychology understand the important role of faith and, and spiritual practice and, and healing. Um, and so one of the things you mentioned was, was the whole shame thing. And I believe that religion and spirituality has a very um, church, faith practice, ministers have a very, very powerful role right? I'm not trying to compel you necessarily. I'm not trying to tell you what to do as a minister. Um, I sure as heck didn't like it when people did that to me. But what I do know is that you have a powerful role to de-shame it. We do. We just have a, if you're in the front and you're a ministry leader um, or you're in the back leading from behind, wherever, if you're a leader, you have a powerful role and ability to be able to de-shame it. And there's some simple ways to do that. One is to just talk about it, to talk about it. If and when appropriate, ministers can, can be a selectively and appropriately vulnerable and share. Like, I've made it no secret, right? And it's my job, and I believe that God has called me to be um, completely, like, as transparent as possible within some healthy boundaries. So I've made no secret. I've been in counseling for the last 20 years. You know, my mom died of depression. Like it was like wow. the second cause of death. I've taken medication, but I also do a lot of other things. And we'll talk more about medication later on if you guys want. But, and, and I say that and folks sometimes just write me off. They're like, oh, well, Roy just isn't praying hard enough. And, you know, I was like, yeah, Roy, I, I don't know how much more Roy, Roy spends about seven days a year in a hermitage. You're like just, you know, listening to God. I'm not sure how much more I can pray it away. Um, <laughs> And so I think that's, uh, that's powerful. I think we, we can and we should do that um, and let folks know it's okay. Yeah, let's talk about that, the why behind that a little bit. So recently we had um, Youth Night and we asked one particular young person, what should we talk about? And he said anxiety. Like he chose anxiety. This is a young man, like 15, 16 years old, who said we need to talk about anxiety. So 
there's an issue. Yeah. No if, if if a young man can say no that, question. then you know there's an issue. So what's what's the issue? Like, what do you think? Find the the primary issue you're dealing with. Right now. Anxiety is the big one. No question. We have an anxiety epidemic. You know, you can go look this up on the medicine journals and and find that it's the number one most diagnosed health related problem in America, um, and probably in some other first world country. So we've got an anxiety epidemic. What, what folks don't understand is that anxiety and depression are like kissing cousins. They're two sides of the same coin. One can cause the other um, very easily. And anxiety is probably outside of um, suicide related, suicide, completed suicide and depression. Anxiety is probably the most destructive mental health condition for the human body. Right. And as Catholics, wow. we obviously are attuned to the body, what it does to the brain, what it does to the, it exhausts the body. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing young adults, right? For those of you who are doing RCIA in colleges and doing college campus ministry, we're seeing young adults um, and young people who have had these chronically high levels of stress. And now we're seeing them get into adrenal fatigue and it's just exhausting and depressing being worried all the time. And so our culture certainly contributes to that. The screens, the constant access to media, constant exposure to very, you know, anxiety um, provoking things. And it's no small thing to me that the rates of anxiety are increasing at the same rate that folks are becoming unaffiliated with religion. I, I don't wow. think that's a coincidence. Yeah. And yeah. I think one of the dangers is coping mechanisms are on the rise, right? Yep. And and it's, it's no wonder when uh, the response from ministry leaders or from the church is often silence. Yeah, right. That's right. We just, we, we don't speak to it and we don't speak to address it. And, and this has been a problem of clericalism. It really, it really have many problems of clericalism. Now, now there's lots of layisms, right? But there's some issues <laughs> with, with, with clericalism, meaning that we've always, as Catholics, We've put on the priest and they've willingly taken it on a lot of them that I'm supposed to have all the answers. Never has that ever been true. You should not have all the answers. There are people in the pew who have some of the answers and who can teach you how to deal with ministerially some of these issues. And, and, and sometimes it is referring them to a mental health professional. You know, we're not trying to make our folks, you know, into, into therapists. That, that's not what we're trying to do. But, but we can all learn how to listen. We can all learn how to be aware and, and pick up that that young man. If that kid is saying that, then you can bet that half of that group or more are wanting to hear that, that on that topic on anxiety. Yeah, and that clericalism that you talk about, it's not just, it's, it's leaderism. Yeah, like that's any right. Leader, You're exactly which, right. You know, people, people listening to this, yep. if you think you have all the answers, you don't. Yeah. And it's okay that you don't have all the answers. Well, just acknowledge and I, that. And, and I would argue forward. that many ministry leaders, and I'll speak a little bit into my truth, um, uh, many ministry leaders feel inadequate in this arena yeah, um, because they struggle with their own shadows. Oh, that's a great point. And so how, how are we supposed to lead people yeah. out of anxiety or depression when uh, that is often our mode of operation that, that we mask in order to minister? 
That's right. And so often those of us, you know, we come into ministry, not all ways, but a lot of us come into ministry because we were broken. You know, that cliche they say about therapists, you become a therapist, you know, because to fix the problems you've got. And that's mostly true, by the way. Um, <laughs> a, a lot of ministers, um, you know, come into it because that's just naturally who they are. They're, they're natural helpers. And so, yeah, we're bringing our wounds. And Jesus says, bring everything to the table. And it's so, so, so important. And so if I can't acknowledge my own, if I can't see the brokenness that's in me, it's going to be really tough for me. Not impossible, but it's going to be tough for me to embrace and to be able to see and notice the brokenness in the people, not just the young people, but in the parents to whom I serve and whoever you know it is I'm ministering to. And that's, that's so important. And we've got to be able to free our people up to be able to you know, talk about these things. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to see my counselor. Good. Like, that's a good thing, you know, instead of going, oh, well, I got to go to a doctor's appointment. Good. I love that you're saying and you go see my therapist. Awesome. Right. So as a ministry leader, and, and you know this probably as well as anybody, we often don't realize, and just humans in general, don't realize the issues that we're carrying. Right. You know, That's because right. we've done a, like our brain has done a really good job of hiding That's it right. from us. We, and, and we even blocked out the memory. So if I don't think I have an issue, if I think I'm all well and good, where do I start? Like, should I start somewhere? Like, am I, am I digging for things? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, should I go digging? You know, should I go digging? And, and how do I start digging if I'm not sure if I have issues? Right. And, and, and to be able to say, well, if, you've, if your life's not working in some area, then that's usually an indication that, that you've got some issues that need to get looked at. And so to be able to sit down and for most of us, it's, it's spiritual direction. We can go to a spiritual director. We can talk with a, someone, one of our close spiritual friends. You can go talk to your pastor. Those guys have lots of training in pastoral counseling to be able to say, hey, is there something here? You know, and, and they may not know, but say, hey, maybe it would help to go sit down with a therapist. A lot of times I, folks will call me and whatnot, and do you think this is a big issue? No, I don't think it is. It's, or it's not one you need to go to therapy. Hey, go read this book. Or, you know, it might be something that, would be helpful to go dig a little deeper in. Um, and, you know, we're going to be the last ones to sometimes to see our own stuff. But if you're getting feedback from folks that there's something there or, hey, you don't look happy, something's wrong, you're always wire worried and things like that. Those are, those are keys to be able to do it. Now, I can't help, and I'm not, I've never spoken at their conferences and I have no official affiliation with them, but I've always loved so much about, I cannot endorse them, right? Not that that matters or that they care, but focus. Um, yeah, well, Roy endorsed us. Well, I'll take that perforated, put it on a roll and wipe your counter with it. But it's, um, <laughs> I love their screening process and they make mental health such a priority for their ministers. And, and wow, the intentionality with now, I'm sure they've grown over the years and, and learned these things, but I, I just love it. It's an essential piece of it. On the ministry leader side, you know, um, we, we don't have the education or the background uh, that you have, Roy. Yeah. But what would you encourage ministry leaders to do in regards to um, helping, you know, the, the faith and the, uh, the, the spiritual practices yeah. in order to strengthen the other side of it, which is stress, anxiety, and depression? Yeah. How can we, in our, own, in our own world, make an influence or move the needle a little bit? And just to save you from plugging your own book, Roy, you could buy his book, guys. I'm just kidding. I know you won't do that. I know you won't, I won't. do that. Won't do that. Um, especially just because it's for, actually, it's all, everyone reads it and go, oh, this is for everyone. And it's true. The examples are for teens. So the first one is, and, and this isn't to plug me, it's to, it's, 
you will find ministers, you will find therapists in your community who will come for free to speak in your community just for the referrals they may get from you. And so every minister, especially every professional minister, if you interact with people and you don't have a small list or a big list of folks who you can refer people to, that, that needs to be item number one, right? Because so much of it, right? No, we don't want you to be a therapist, but you need to be able to put a card in someone's hand or say, hey, here's a phone number. And, and I get it. Folks in rural areas have a hard time doing that but there's no excuse if you're in any somewhat urban area to not have that. And so bring folks in um, to do that. I do plenty. I don't know that I could add any more to my schedule of that, but to, to teach people, what do you want to look for? What are the things that we want to pay attention to? Because, and if someone comes and talks to you and says these certain things like I'm cutting or I'm hurting myself or I just wish I didn't wake up tomorrow morning to be able to recognize those. And we call it mental health first aid. Just to be able to rec- oh, that's a problem. Folks will often come to the church before they come to the psychologist and the counselors and the mental health. Good. They just will. Yeah. To touch on that, um, the red flag issues right away. Those things, that, that's no like mental health first aid. Yeah. But, uh, but for me as a youth minister, if a teen comes to me and brings the exact same issue uh, three times to me, I recognize that I am. it's got to be a referral. Yeah, that's right. Either to maybe a more trained spiritual director, right? One who can do that or, or to a therapist. And, and I don't know what the issue is, but, but there are some no-brainer issues. Suicide. If, if we think a teen's depressed and it's been more than a few weeks, you know, if a kid's anxious and they're, they're self-harming, those are no-brainers. Gender dysphoria, right? Even, even though I know folks stand in different places around that, those kids are at an incredibly high risk. For, um, for to be bullied and, and for a lot of other associated. So those are just no-brainer issues. Yeah, man, you don't feel at home in your body. Hello, eating disorders. Hello, those are kind of no-brainers. And then secondly, outside of the awareness and then the referral piece of it, um, and I'm glad because I keep wanting to go back to the book, right? And I've got tons of videos on this stuff that's free online on my Facebook page. Um, but the next piece, and we actually have a ministry in the church called the Stevens Ministry, which is a ministry of listening. And so many folks, like 99% of what I do is listen very carefully. Mm. And I ask, an, a, I have a, a series of micro conversations within, a, within an hour. And I ask a series of well-orchestrated questions. Now, I'm paying attention to things, and my training enables me to go deeper and longer on certain things. But, but to be able to listen to folks, sometimes folks just need, to, just need to talk about it. Like, there's no reason that for non-complicated or non-ambiguous grief, like for a teen losing a grandparent, there's no reason that their minister cannot be walking with that young person um, and just walking them through it and listening and knowing how to do that. But, and there are skills, like we, you could get that training in a day. You know, um, it's, it's, um, those are things that we can do and um, can be very powerfully um, involved in the lives of folks in that way. Yep. And it's amazing how the church has some of that built in, right? Yeah. So shame, yeah. shame gets cast away in the sacrament of confession Amen. in a lot of ways. And, and, and yes, there's, it's efficacious, it's a sacrament, there's grace, but even just the act of naming naming something that you feel shame about um, in the confessional, to put a name to it and get it out of your mouth, cast it away. That's right. Um, 
to to a large degree. And then to say you were forgiven is another big piece. But like just naming these things and the church has that built in, like the church is so healthy, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no question. And so just some some more like practical things. And these are going to be more by way of affirming, um, like for kids who are ADHD, like um, or, or even boys, boys tend to be more kinesthetically tactile, like praying the rosary. Right. And maybe you don't do all five decades, but those things help kids with anxiety. Um, it helps activate the brain like there's wisdom in that. There's a reason we have these beads and we need to touch them. It's because we're human. You know, there's wisdom in going into the church. There's wisdom in incorporating the senses and adoration. These things. help. Now, I do have some concerns about um, Oh, maybe I shouldn't put this out there, but I think sometimes we, because of teens' inability to emotionally regulate, I think so, I have some concerns, and I should probably talk about this with the people who do it, with some of the way sometimes adoration is done, and that it, and we see these teens who are having these like hour-long meltdowns and and crying things, and that and that's so much of it is good, but with the inability to emotionally regulate, um, some of it can be concerning, but. Uh, and, and just to speak to that, yeah. especially on day two of a retreat mm. or a conference mm. when mm. they've only been consuming sugar mm. and not very mm-hmm. much sleep, mm-hmm. they're already very emotionally vulnerable right. and their bodies might just be crying out because they're Absolutely. starving. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's the retreat that we're doing healthy. So here are some things that that uh, other thing by way of 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 just affirming is that it's so critical, like the role of faith like the, the role of belief, right? Even if we just go to Pascal's wager, you know, with folks and just go, okay, you can't, we can't prove that God exists, but you can't prove that he doesn't. Where are you going to place your bet? Like, is your bet better placed over here, right? Or is it better placed on if there's a God, right? And so what happens is we see so much of this anxiety and so much of the anxiety, get the perfect test score to get into a school that almost nobody in the world can get into so that I can get a job, make a lot of money and be happy. And that is not the formula, right? That's not the gospel. And we know that. And now how do we communicate that in a way that reverences ambition and achievement and these things? Awesome. Yeah, we want you to do that. But, but the gospel is going to ask you, so what? Okay, that's fine. That's okay right? On some level, some of that achievement, it's not okay if it's causing you to cut. It's not okay if you can't sleep, but achievement is good. But what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? How is that going to help your fellow people? And we know this, this stuff that we know inside, this is healthy guilt. So your life has to be about more than just about you. And, and we know that. And, and it's, it's, it's an urgent message. It's not just an important message anymore. It's an urgent message because these, these especially quick processing folks, when there's no God, it doesn't take them long to get to the connect the dots to go, then why the heck am I hanging around? Yep. You know? Absolutely. And why am I hanging around? And so it's an- and the message, the message of the gospel was always one that's meant to give life or bring life. Amen. But Amen. It, but in today's society, today's culture, we're seeing more and more with the increase of suicide that the message of the gospel is also meant to save lives. Amen. And that's a vital reality. Amen. Well said, my brother. Yeah. Well said. The other piece is is that every teen, everybody wants to be happy, but haven't really defined that. Right. And so the goal of life isn't to be happy. Right. Let's just go ahead and put that out there. Right. Where in the gospel? Now, 
to be happy in the way Aristotle defined it, which is the state of the soul whereby you're being who you're supposed to be, but to be comfortable, to never have to make sacrifice. And religion, one, one could argue that the role of religion and the healthiness of a religion is, is dependent upon what it is able to, how it's able to help people deal with pain, right? How is this able, how is this able to help you deal with pain? Because right now your opioids aren't working. The marijuana is not working or it's going to stop working, right? Now, I'm, I'm about medical marijuana, but I'm talking about just abusing, right? The drugs aren't working. The sex isn't working. So what are you doing with your parents' divorce? What are you doing with the fact that, that your best friend took their life? Where do, you, where do you go with that, right? And we, they come to us. And that's, that's we want folks to come to us because now we've got a very, very central image right up in front or in the back of the church that tells you that that actually is the goal and you're in it. And while it sucks on a level that a Hoover vacuum can't even imagine, and it's beyond painful, there is resurrection that Amen. that will make you happy. And that is a paradox that just, you know, what do you do with that? So <laughs> crucifixion makes me happy? Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. suffering, suffering has meaning. And also there's healing. Absolutely. And, that's and there's healing in it and there's redemption in it. And, and look, St. Thomas Aquinas gave it to us, right? Grace builds on nature, right? And so, yes, but, but I, see, I, I see a culture right now that has no, there's no foundational bottom to it, right? There's, there's just, well, you know, what, well, well, life sucks. Well, why would a good God allow suffering? Well, I don't have a soundbite for that, but I'd love to walk with you. I'd love to walk with you in it and, and see that. And The Good Place, actually, the show The Good Place actually kind of touched on that in its last episode, um, which was very interesting. I'm going to be using that. To, um, anyway, you can edit that out. That's irrelevant to what I was just saying. Oh, we love that show. Both Matt and I are like hooked. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Everything being pleasant and content is just, you know, it'll, you'll just be a zombie. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. The, uh, so there were, there are two things that I want to follow up on. You know, one is as a Catholic youth minister, you know, or I work in a church, maybe in RCIA, mm -hmm. um, I would, uh, if I'm looking for building my list, how do I do that? Because there's always this concern of, oh, it needs to be a Christian counselor. It needs yeah. to be a Catholic counselor, counselor, because I don't want them getting, getting up there and saying anything about or anti-church or whatever. Right. Is there, is there any real fear in that? Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think for, for certain issues where, you know, the, you know, perhaps gender and sexual orientation type things, folks are going to be more inclined to want someone who is philosophically aligned with where they are. But so, but in an emergency, if I need to have open heart surgery, I don't really give a damn whether my um, heart surgeon is Buddhist, non-practicing or Catholic, like bring me the best one. But so how do you find one to ask other folks? to network around the area and say, hey, who do you use? Who have you been successful? Right? I've got videos on YouTube. I've got videos on Facebook. And, and it, there's a whole chapter in the book about how to find the best counselor, right? What questions to ask to know whether this person's going to be qualified or not. And when you find one, keep it a secret and don't tell folks so that they have room for the folks you refer. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but how to get through the receptionist, like how to get to the counselor so that, especially for teenagers, right? To know if that, because most therapists are generalists. A lot of them have a specialty, like they want to work with kids with OCD, with anxiety or and it doesn't just have to be kids. Um, it's to find these, these good people and to build a list 
you know, to go online, find them, and it's going to take legwork, right? It's not easy. I'm, no one, you're not going to phone me or email me, and I'm just going to hand you your list of three people. Like these right. have to be people who you trust and who you vetted a little bit so that when you hand that card over to someone, your nonverbals indicate that you've got the best confidence you can possibly have based on the research you've done, that that person's going to be helpful. And if you have a personal testimony to be able to say, I have found this person to be helpful in these situations, then the more likely that person's actually going to follow through on the referral. Good. Awesome. The next one is, why can't I just pray this away? Uh, you know, and, and I asked you before the show, like, is there a, is yeah. there a lack of trust or like, I feel that there may be yeah. a lack of trust yeah. if I take medication right. versus just keep praying about it. You know, there's that story that I can't tell. Well, the simple answer is St. Thomas Aquinas gave us the answer, the perfect answer to this. Grace builds upon nature. Mm. Grace builds upon nature. And to be able to say, while miracles are always possible, right? Miracles are always possible. God, 99.9% of the time, tends to normally not work through miraculous intervention, and that's why we call them miracles. And so that story of the guy who's up on the mountain and says, God, help me, and he sends the helicopter, and the guy goes, ah, no, I'm waiting for God. And then he sends the mountain climber up there to get him, and he goes, no, I'm waiting for God. And then he goes, God, why didn't you hear? And he goes, well, I sent you a helicopter and a mountain climber to come help you, but it's I'm looking for it in this way. And so, you know, the, the pray it away, definitely pray, definitely pray. And spiritual direction is different from counseling because you're going to bring your depression there and the spiritual director is going to go, let's see where God is in that. Where might God be in that? And that's incredibly valuable, right? And that's the, the skill of the minister as opposed to trying to figure out how much of this is genetics, how much of it is lifestyle, how much of it is environment, how much of it is a lack of boundaries, lack of coping skills, those types of things, how much of it's existential, how much of it's philosophical. So prayer absolutely helps, and I believe it's essential, but, but generally speaking, God doesn't, we don't pray away mental illness or, or significant mental health challenges. It's a great coping skill. It's a great thing to have, but it's not going to replace, you know, taking medication, right? It's not going to replace. And, and the research shows that counsel, I'm always going to want to start like a counseling, right? Because it's a low level intervention. And then the counselor may want to recommend a medication. And so then you find mm -hmm. the best people you can find and the best folks who you can trust who are more conservative, right? Around the areas of medication, if that's your values around that, um, in order to be able to prescribe it and to be able to diagnose it. Now we've got genetic testing, which is huge, huge. If no one recommends that to you before you take a psychotropic medication, look for it. It's not cheap, but it can save you years of trial and error and figuring out which medications will actually work inside wow. you and, and do well with you. That's great. I really like that grace builds on nature. Mm -hmm. And in the nature thing, like it was in the nature of humanity to get to the point where we have the health sciences like we have now. Exactly. You know, that's part of the nature of humanity. And, and it was in the, the na nature of humanity to like make medications. Yeah. You know, look, to can, get to this and point. Before, because, and the shame was because we could empirically show the heart not functioning. We could see that, right, on video. Well, now we can see the brain not functioning. We can see mm. depression and anxiety in the brain and the long-term effects of it. And like we've tested these, a lot of these medications for decades, right? For decades. And, and, and so it's, it's um, we know, like we know 
You know, there's not going to be yeah. any Catholic psychologist who, or psychiatrist who's going to actually tell you that, that, that you shouldn't do these things. Well, and I think about um, the heart surgery analogy, which I think is great. But as a ministry leader, right, when you, uh, when you have a heart surgeon, he's got a team of people in the room. That's right. I think that ministry leaders are part of that team of people. Amen. So it's not just, here's a card, here's a referral, That's right. but then that accompaniment that goes along with it, how has it been? Yes. Um, bring in, bring in if, if it's a, a minor or a youth, bringing the parents in and empowering and equipping the parents Amen. to be able to navigate this as well. Absolutely. So in regards to kind of our side of things or our slice of the pie, it's actually not a slice. It's actually an ingredient that's mixed into the entire pie. No question. Because we are one of the people in the room, part of the team, to bring about wellness for these uh, these these hurting people. Yeah, I have had young. I probably more than most. Well, you know how we get a disclosure of confidentiality, a, a release, not only to sign to be able to talk with the educators and others, but to talk with the youth ministers or the other ministers who are walking with them. It's so important. They have such a. They see things I can't see, and there are things that I can do, and so. Ministers can ask for that from the therapist. Ask for a consent release if you feel it's helpful. But yes, you are an essential part of that process, no doubt. Great, great. Roy, we are at time. Yeah. We are going to have to have you back. Oh, anytime, um, guys. Yeah, yeah. But tell us, what is the name of that book that you wrote? Yeah, Helping Teens with Stress, Anxiety, and Depression, A Field Guide for Catholic Pastors, Youth Leaders, and Parents. Excellent. Excellent. And then how can people find you, connect with you? You referenced some of the videos that you have and some of the free resources. Yeah. How do they find all I'm that? I'm on Facebook at my first and last name. And I guess you guys will put that in the show notes. Um, and the website is todaysteenager.com. And there's lots of valuable stuff there. I'm on YouTube. Um, YouTube and Facebook tend to be the places where I am the most. Um, but even if like, I think the friend thing on Facebook is weird, but even if you just follow me, you'll have access to all of the, um, the videos on there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us yeah. and uh, let's continue the conversation online and you can find us on Facebook, Ministry Leaders Anonymous, but sometimes the conversation needs to go to uh, to different people. So don't be afraid to reach out and continue the conversation online in some of the circles that Roy uh, just, just mentioned. Please send any feedback you guys have to mla at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. Share this with everyone. This is a topic that everyone needs to hear about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders, to pray for those struggling with anxiety, those in ministry and those we minister to, to pray that we can disarm the stigma of um, meeting with someone, talking to someone about these issues. And uh, yeah, and we will see you next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. God bless.